Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. All right, let me welcome to the show. Uh, she is the author of Meltdown, Discover Earth's Re- Irreplaceable Glaciers and Learn What You Can Do to Save Them. I didn't know we could save them. This is giving me hope because I was just like, okay, we got about 20 more good years and then we got to go underground. But she actually has something to tell us. Let me welcome to the show, Anita Sanchez. Hi. Hi, thank you. Uh, thank you for joining. Listen, um, before we get into your book, tell me what career path you took to be able to so well and just break down where we are right now with, with our climate. What, what did you do to get here and why? Well, I've spent many years uh, working with kids in non-classroom settings. Um, I take kids on nature walks outdoors. I take kids, I, I work with the kids in the classroom, bringing nature things indoors. But my goal is to connect kids with nature. Um, in order to work with the youngest kids, you have to break things down into their very simplest building blocks. And so that's what I tried to do with this book to explain the tough science of climate change in a way that young readers would get, but I hope adults will get something out of it too. I think children's book writers are the most incredible writers, um, especially young adult book writers, because you you have to have a a certain level of understanding to be able to disseminate that information. And so it's one of my favorite genres, meltdown discovery, discover earth's irreplaceable glaciers and learn what you can do about them, do to save them. You're taking it through pictures, right? It's a picture book as well. And you're telling the story of first what the role of glaciers are to the planet. So tell us, what, why do we need to pay attention to the glaciers? Well, we're starting to feel the effects of climate change all over the world. But in the cold places of the planet, it's happening sooner and more drastically because the fact is that we all know ice melts when it gets above 33 degrees. Around where I live, upstate New York, uh, might seem like, you know, a couple more degrees warmer sounds nice, you know, warm up a bit. But um, up north and, and down south, when it gets above 33, ice melts. So the glaciers are starting to melt sooner. And this is pouring billions, billions of tons of water, fresh water into the ocean. So that's changing the oceans, which is changing coastlines, which is changing our weather. So... It's happening and it, it all the things connect in a lot of subtle ways that we don't really see because obviously most of us don't live right on top of a glacier. So Anita, can you go one step further and connect it on the sociological level for us? We've always heard and we're starting to hear more how communities of color and poor communities are more vulnerable to the actual effects of climate change. As a very practical matter, what does that look like? Well, just an example, you go to the grocery store and you want to buy salmon. Salmon's really great food, nutritious, protein, low calorie, all that great stuff. But have you seen the price of salmon lately? It's just crazy. One reason is because the glaciers are melting. Salmon are one of many types of wildlife that can't tolerate even a slight change in temperature. Water gets warmer they're dead. Salmon are done. So that's what's happening. It's affecting indigenous communities that live in the Pacific Northwest that depends on the fisheries. It's affecting grizzly bears 
but it's also affecting you and me when we go to the grocery store to shop for food. And yeah, it's definitely, you know, some communities are feeling the pinch sooner than others. We were just talking a few weeks ago about uh, the crabs, <laughs> it's like billions of snow crabs. Uh, and I was like, maybe they just left to go to a better climate. And people were like, no, they're gone. They're dead. You know, it's like the the whole, to your point, the, the this season of fishery has been very uh, challenging for those who, you know, they make a living doing that. But for those of us who love, like salmon's my favorite fish. To, to imagine a world without salmon would be really, ugh, like that would be tough. Um, and, and we don't even think about, you know, the, the polar bears and the, you know, all of the penguin, all of the animals that depend on it being icy, you know, it's like, now you're seeing polar bears and grizzly bears coming together and you're like, this is not natural. This is, this can't end well. I don't know. Where does this go? Uh, to Don's point, you know, at, at the food chain and yes, um, how much time do we have? You, you, you're bringing all optimism, Anita Sanchez with meltdown, but how much time do we really have when we're discovering 5,000 year old mummies that have been now, uh, melted and now it's like, oh, okay, something's wrong here. Yeah. It's the archeologists are finding all kinds of amazing things that they literally did find a 5,000 year old man who had been frozen into a glacier for millennia. And now the glacier's melting. There he is. Um, but you know, to answer your question about how much time do we have, you know, no one knows. Scientists are really still struggling to figure out what's going to happen. No one can predict, but there's so much bad news out there, so much doom and gloom. I really want young readers to take away hope from this book and to feel that, yes, there's problems. I try to not sugarcoat it, but there's things we can do to make changes. I really want young people to not feel despair because despair just leads to apathy. You know, it's so easy to just turn off the bad news and let's go binge Netflix instead or something and, and not pay attention. You know, I, I, that's actually was going to be my precise question. So we grew up, uh, and our generation's contribution, if there was one, uh, in terms of actionable items was recycle. So like you got to recycle that, that kind of came of age when in the eighties and nineties, when I was growing up, what is this generation's actionable item as kids are growing up in a universe where like climate change is objectively no longer thought to be a hoax? Uh, what do you think their thing is in terms of what they can do that everybody can commit to and do relatively easily? Well, you know, I really think it comes down to one four letter word, and that is vote. The, we, all of us can do, make those lifestyle changes. You know, we can not use plastic straws and we can change our light bulbs and buy electric cars and all that good stuff. But even if every single American did that, it wouldn't turn climate change around. What's needed is in every nation, but starting with ours, is to vote for candidates who really support strong environmental protections mm. on a local level, on a national level. I mean, an example from my own very small town, they were planning on putting a, a truck stop right near an elementary school where the trucks would idle and the air quality would just be terrible right next to an elementary school. But by voting for local politicians who were opposed to that, we managed to stop it. So, you know, look at the next election coming up, 23, you know, no one's going to vote because it's not a big election year. But 
even on a local level, these things really matter in terms of our day-to-day health and in terms of stopping climate change. Hmm. For you, um, in the classroom, teaching, you know, I've teachers are amazing uh in introducing children to nature because i feel like you know so much of what we do is the disconnect the reason why people behave the way they do because they don't connect this with that you know connected you know how powerful the connections are to don's point um recycling uh less plastic because we just discovered we're all part plastic now as a result of all of the plastic that's in the how is that you know we are part plastic. Yikes. I don't know how that's going to turn out. Um, what else can, can parents do with children? Let's, you know, give a few more tips about what parents can do to help their children besides buy your book, of course. Uh, and it's called meltdown, (laughs) discover earth's irreplaceable glaciers and learn what you can do to save them. It's a beautiful picture book that I encourage everybody to go get as we build our children's library as another cornerstone of like humanity. What else can parents do this, particularly this holiday season? Well, I think it's great for kids of all ages to just go outside, hang around outdoors, and not just on a a mowed lawn or, you know, a basketball court or a soccer field, but outdoors in the wild, in in a town park, a nature center, a schoolyard that's got a little greenery around it. Um, when I was a kid, I could just go out and hang out in the woods, but the woods where I used to hang out is a housing development these days, and kids don't often have the chance to just hang out in nature to learn that it's not something that they need to fear. I think fear is a bad motivator. I don't want to scare kids into, oh, you know, everything's bad, or to shame people who use a plastic straw. I want people to care about the outdoors. There's, there's a great quote from a, an environmentalist from Senegal. In the end, we will conserve only what we love. And I think mm-hmm. I, I really want kids to fall in love with nature. Most of my books, glaciers are a stretch for me. Most of my books are about backyard nature. I literally have a book about mud puddles and all the cool wildlife that use mud puddles. And I think most of us, no matter where we live, can bump into a mud puddle or a dandelion. I have a book about dandelions. You know, that kind of nature that the kids can really access. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, the favorite, your favorite part about putting this book together and how long did it take? Oh, gosh, years. I worked on it for at least a couple of years and I had to keep updating it because things kept changing and I didn't want it to be dated. I wanted it to be timeless. So it, it took a long time to get it so that it, it was, you know, updated with the most recent science, but not out of date because things are changing so fast with climate change. Um, the best part, of course, for me is always going outdoors and seeing the real stuff. I was lucky enough to actually walk on a glacier, which is just an amazing experience. Glaciers move, they make noise. They're not just a big pile of snow. There's a real sense that they're, they're, they're almost alive. Where was, when did you do this? And, and how um, did you dress? This was, like, what kind of coat did you have on? Uh, well, actually, of course, I, you know, I dressed for the Arctic. I was on a, a I was a tourist. Um, I'm not, I'm not an Arctic explorer by any means. I was a tourist and I got to go to Iceland, which is really amazing. And um, I dressed up for, you know, my, my park and my long underwear and everything. But it was actually surprisingly warm. Um, even though it was October, the temperature was, was pretty high and there was a lot of dripping going on. 
but to walk on a glacier, if you think of it as like a big pile of like white snow, like you, you know, see in a parking lot, all the snow piled up, but actually a glacier is like a river of ice and the ice isn't all white colored. A lot of it is blue. The older the ice, the bluer it is. Mm. So parts of the glacier are turquoise or sapphire. They're really beautiful. And I think the illustrations in the book uh, capture that a little bit, that, that magic of, of the colors of the glacier. I feel like we don't travel enough. We don't see enough. We got a lot of opinions on things that, you know, we may have seen on television, but to actually, as you have done and as you are encouraging us to do, to get out there, to be a part of nature, to connect with it, I think we'd appreciate it and be a better steward of this earth, which is what we're called to be. Um, I want to, first of all, congratulate you on this book and thank you for doing it. Um, And thank you for joining us today, Anita Sanchez. Nice to meet you. Thank you very much. Meltdown, discover Earth's irreplaceable glaciers and learn what you can do to save them. The book is out now. Anita Sanchez is the author. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.